it's like with any PR, it takes months to build and you don't see results straight away. So it's very hard to justify the upfront cost. You've got to kind of let it start rolling, just like brand awareness. People don't suddenly find out about something overnight. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I have a very special guest today, someone that we don't get to often talk to, and her name is Danielle Kidney, and she is the founder of The Creative Pack. They're an agency that specializes in early stage CPG brands. So welcome to the podcast, Danielle. I'm really happy to have you. Thanks, Christy. I'm excited to be here. Start of a new year. Start of a new year. So could you give us just a little bit of background about your company and things that you do and Then we'll get into what's been going on and what the year looks like. Sure. Yeah. So this year is our 10-year anniversary. So very excited about that. I founded the Creative Pack with a background in packaging design for food and beverage. So we had been doing some work out here in LA. But as you can tell, I originally grew up in the UK and my dad is American and my mom is British. So I lived in the UK my whole childhood till I was in my mid 20s. And then I came to California in the mid 2000s to help Tesco launch their US venture fresh and easy. And then did that job for about eight years. And then I kind of birthed my own agency baby, which was the creative pack and started nice and like keeping it small with two designers and myself and then just kind of grew the team organically from there so kind of hired one person a year to a team of you know nine or ten people and yes as you said we really focus on food and beverage packaging we do some beauty and some non-food and we have two types of clients the early stage CPG clients. And we also do a lot of work directly for retailers doing their private label or their private brand packaging. So it gives us a kind of unique insight into what's happening both in the US from a retailer perspective, what's trending, what's selling in the grocery store environment. And also we get those insights from emerging brands on cool, new, innovative products. So it's a happy merging of worlds where we're kind of, none of our team can go to the grocery store and not spend an hour taking photos and texting each other. We're very passionate. And even vacations when we're abroad, we love to like send each other pictures of what we've been seeing. So exciting kind of world and it's project based. So every day is a little different from one week to the next. Absolutely. Which is challenging. So I want to ask you a little bit about a couple of those things that you said. First of all, congratulations on being there for 10 years. I know what a feat that is. It's the same as it is for the founders that I talked to on early stage brands like Getting past five years is amazing. Getting to 10, even more amazing. 
So that's a deal, something to celebrate. I'm curious just to hear my audience is largely made up of early stage founders and investors. And I'm curious to see what you've been seeing over the past 12 months. I mean, I know the world has changed. Obviously, COVID changed it. And then post-COVID changed it even more. What are you seeing now that feels different or the same as it was? Yeah, I think that what is super exciting over the last couple of years is really this sort of emerging brands. There's a lot of people in the industry who haven't been in the food industry before, and they've come from other business experiences. So they bring a really fresh approach and solving problems for people. Like I couldn't find this specific item that I wanted to buy, like a clean label ingredient food that I wanted to serve my family. So I created it myself. So you're seeing a lot of innovation, a lot of drive and ambition in the industry, which I think is very exciting. And even if you've been doing this type of work, like creating brands and food companies for a long time. I think it's super exciting. And the other thing is big companies are taking note of these emerging startups and they're actually doing supportive things to help them build their companies. So we've been a part of a couple of mentorship programs, the California Milk Board had an accelerator program to kind of help dairy companies grow and scale. And they partnered them with different experts in different facets of the business. And I know that in New York, there's a lot of incubator programs that some of the big companies like Coca-Cola and Chobani are running to try and give these new brands a platform to speak. And I also think media as much as there is a downside to some of the social media world, and and I think depending on your generation, you have different thoughts around it. But I think for emerging brands, social media as an influencer marketing has been a really interesting way to see brands not just get scale, but really get some brand awareness. And it could be on a micro environment like here in LA we know of a certain number of brands and in New York it might be different but I think what's exciting is that there's openness for new products and new entrepreneurs and I think there's a little bit more kind of financing and support and network of people willing to help so both of those are really super exciting to me being yeah I think it's interesting. The community feels very engaged with each other. And I think the mentoring is fantastic. I do mentoring through SKU in Austin. And all of that seems great. The thing that I think has changed the most, and I'm not sure if you're seeing this on your end, is the way that people have to go about getting investment at this moment. Like It's definitely harder than it was. And so that trickles down to everyone, right? Agencies, vendors, anybody who needs to do something to help a brand and get paid. It's been really challenging, I think, because the brands just are having such a harder time than they used to have getting funded. Are you having any of that experience? Yeah, I will say that depending on the stage of business, like Mm -hmm. five to 10 years ago, we could work with someone that was really just at the very beginning of what they're doing. And then there kind of becomes a minimum level of engagement where doing heavy 
branding work, redesign work, product launches. It's a very expensive exercise. And yes, I do sometimes hear like, well, we're at this stage, we'll call you in a year if yeah. this, this, this financing comes through. And it has been a weird three years because I feel like a lot of people were ready to launch during 2020. And so there was this kind of hiccup couple of years where yes. they had the idea and the product, but supply chain was crazy. Packaging materials and costs had skyrocketed. Freight still hasn't settled down. So we do hear a lot of that. And maybe this is a little bit more on the retailer side, but when we're working with clients and we're trying to partner them, we know a lot of co-manufacturers across the country. We're really trying to pair retailers and co-mans geographically because it doesn't make sense shipping product across the country the way that maybe years ago it was easier. Now, unless they're already shipping for another client or East Coast, West Coast facilities, you kind of need to divide up. So there are some ways around it, but yes, I feel like there's a pressure and a pinch happening at the same time. And it's kind of a, a hard thing to break through for sure. Definitely. I'm curious also, you talked about influencers and I think that's also been one of the most interesting things about the past, I'd say five years when they first popped on, there were so many and it was easy to sort of see the value. And now I think it's changed so much everyone's an influencer, right? And so do you help brands figure out what to do on that front? Or like, is that part of your offering? Well, not directly, <laughs> but we have some connections where we have trusted partners that facilitate that part of the marketing journey for mm -hmm. our customers. And so vice versa, we recommend when brands are ready to engage with certain agencies to help support that, and then they refer clients who possibly have a really great product, but it's yeah. not in really great branding or design. Yeah. And so that's a nice relationship. What I'm hearing from that world, and I agree, it's very hard to pick and choose how oh, to yeah. spend very valuable dollars, but it depends on the product. You know, it might have regionality. It depends on distribution because you don't really want to be promoting a product in a region where people can't access your product. So that's, I think, where in the emerging startups, it's important if you have West Coast distribution or East Coast distribution to partner with marketeers who know that market and can really dig in. And I think you can make your dollars go further if you're partnered with people who can advise you on what to do and how to do it. The chances of a viral video you know, mm -hmm. are slim. So I think very. we need to have a very long-term approach to it and not hope and wish. It's like with any PR, it takes months to build and you yeah. don't see results straight away. So it's very hard to justify the upfront cost. But they say you're kind of looking at something that you've worked on for three months prior. So you've got to kind of let it start rolling, just like brand awareness people don't suddenly find out about something overnight so showing up in all the right places even doing like you mentioned in Austin we also are part of Naturally LA yeah. and they have 
events where you can have a table and, and taste your product, those people are, you know, consumers who will spread the word. So sometimes it's a lot of grassroots demoing and taste testing to get your product out there unless you have some magical connection to a buyer who's going to put you on shelf and take someone else off the shelf. So, yeah, it's tricky, but I think you ask around and you get experts for each part of your process. And hopefully, as you mentor, people are very willing to share their experience because I wish and hope people would share experiences if there's something I'm doing that is new and I need experienced people to advise me. So it's sort of part of the cycle of giving back after 10 years. So finding good people is, you know, part of it, reaching out to your network. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you are doing to help brands. Talk about the branding aspect. Like, you know, I work with a lot of brands as well. And I think at the beginning, right, when you're an early stage or even a brand that's been around for a little while, making the investment into your own branding feels like it's very challenging to make happen because of all the places that money and resources need to be spent. But I know how important it is, and I'm sure you do. And I'm curious to hear how you talk about that with your clients. Yeah, that's a great question. I think sometimes if you're working directly with a founder or the founder's team, I think that sometimes even though they may be solving a problem in the market and the product might have a really good white space of why it's needed and why it's there. Sometimes the people who are working for the company are a little too close to it. So Mm -hmm. sometimes they know a lot of the technical reasons that make it great, or they know, you know, how to produce it or the operations. And I think what's really a key part of our partnership with clients is really helping them bring that to life visually and bring it to life for a target audience. I think it's very easy to say, oh, this is for everyone. Well, great. I hope everyone does get on board with your protein cookie, but there is a specific target audience that your branding and packaging and most of your efforts need to go directly to in order to get it to resonate and build from there. So we kind of help people because we're an outside agency. We help people see their product in the context of the market. And one of the steps we do from a design standpoint is we do a competitive audit. We look at similar products that might be on shelf today Now, if it's something truly unique, there might not be a direct competitor on shelf here in the US, but there might be internationally. So we kind of look at Europe and Asia because there's some innovation, Canada. There's a lot of innovation in food outside of the US market. And then if there isn't a direct competitor, we look at similar items. So if it's a functional cookie, we would look at cookies and we would look at you know, the function of protein in other snacks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really, I help people by trying to convey to them that the competitive audit will help you with the white space from a marketing standpoint and a design standpoint. But the other key thing is some of these companies are much bigger, Mm -hmm. deeper pockets, and they've done consumer research And this isn't to say that you look at what they're doing and you copy them, but certain key things like the attributes they've chosen for the front of pack, 
the hierarchy of the information like are you leading with what the product is or the flavor of the product or the function of the product and often the competitor analysis that we do at the very very beginning is very eye-opening because there might be a brand they've never seen before because it's you know regional and they've never seen it in their stores it could be an international thing so that's a key step and before we do any design we go through that exercise and the other thing we do is not everybody is a visual person and not everybody can direct a design agency effectively so i bridge that gap we as a team put together a visual mood board and it gives some aesthetics a lot of times clients and everybody will use words and they mean different things to yeah. each person so we'll try and convert the words we're being told so maybe someone says they want it to look clean and simple with a you know clear hierarchy we pull visual examples of what we determine simple clean hierarchy is and then we show it back to the clients before we design and sometimes there's more than one direction so visually we might have something that's sort of cool and calm in its color palette and we might have something that's poppy and vibrant because the client hasn't really determined what they want and we have looked at the competitors and see both things happening and we take that mood board and we share it and discuss it back with the clients and that helps our team kind of unearth what these words really mean so the other thing about your clients and my clients is that sometimes we've never worked together before. Mm -hmm. So I feel like all of this is building trust. It's also gaining an understanding of this project in its more details and working together prior to actually producing any brand new concepts. And I think it gives the brand a chance to kind of look at their brand from the outside in yeah and all of that is super important because the end consumer is looking at it from the outside not the inside That's right. so figuring out what the best way to represent their product through design photography imagery marketing if you don't get it right in the beginning you're spending all this money on inventory and packaging and all these operational constraints that you might have, and you're not putting the brand in its best position to succeed. So I do always recommend that you go to launch with as close to, you know, a brand you're really excited about, a brand that represents the core values of the company, a brand that's going to stand out against competitors because by the time you go to market it's out there and potentially a bigger company could copy your idea so if you spend little put something out there test it out you probably have to go back at some point and spend the money to redesign it yeah. so sometimes we try and encourage people to sort of go back reassess their what their priorities are because you kind of only get one first impression yep what do you think the biggest mistakes brands make are i think some challenges to overcome is that sometimes people do know their products so well that they're 
not always open to hearing feedback. And I think that it can be challenging to put a product inside a package and launch it and not be willing to kind of, you know, maybe tweak and evolve both the recipe and the product itself. It's a lot of commitment along the way. And I feel like people sometimes hold on to a specific idea because they've held on to it for a little while or it was something that they brought into the project. So honestly, like a willingness and open-minded approach is really helpful because even if you have a clear vision in your mind of what your brand should look like, Mm -hmm. sometimes there's a new idea or a different way of thinking. And I think the most successful projects are when there's an open-mindedness during the process to see how it plays out and to hear why things were designed the way they were. So we all know we could put a dozen attributes on every product and it just becomes kind of confusing and icon overload for consumers. So I think picking and choosing and being very selective and editing yourself sometimes can really help. Interesting. And for you as an agency, at this, I mean, it's a roller coaster, right? You're mostly project based. I think that's really hard and challenging because you really don't know what's next. And I mean, it must be a constant hustle for you. I know it is for me. What do you think the most challenging things are that you are faced with coming up in 2024? In my business? Yeah. Yeah. All those things you mentioned, I think running a business with a talented team and not outsourcing every single part of the project. And like we have a team of designers in and out and that Mm -hmm. commitment to both the results of the projects for the clients, they come from a really good team, people who trust each other. And I think, yes, that's an overhead on a monthly basis that is fine when there's a volume of projects. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you don't know what's around the corner, it becomes quite daunting. So I have a team that can flex capacity wise. So usually when we're very busy, it's still the same team. And then when we're very quiet, it's still the same team. And that ability to like ride through the ebbs and flows of a project is my commitment to them and their commitment to me. There might be days where we have a couple of things going on that have to get out all at the same time. And there might be a day where, you know, you're walking your dog at 4.30 and, you know, coming back to wrap up some emails. So, yeah, it's very challenging. I also think personally what I've struggled with the last couple of years is both the news and the media happening at the same time that you're underneath it or trying to run a small business. So. I try not to get all like roped up in all the talk of a recession and then, you know, this and that. We're in an industry where an AI and all these other things that take everyone's job away. We're in an industry where people need to eat. And yes, there's different ways to get food to your doorstep, but ultimately we're designing for an industry that, isn't really going to go away and it might change and evolve. And that's something we need to be agile. We designed last year and the year before quite a few brands for app-based food companies where there isn't 
a store and there isn't a shelf and you've got to make sure that it stands out in a tiny little one inch tile on a phone screen. And that definitely is a different challenge altogether. And I think building a brand that works in that environment is very different to building a brand that sits with 12 SKUs on shelf or four flavors next to one another. So that's agility. But fundamentally, I feel like you just have to stay the course and know what you do and keep good relationships. It's a small business. It's a small world. You end mm. up running into the same people oh, over and over. Yes. So I like to treat everybody respectfully. And if something works out or doesn't work out, no bridges are burned and you never yeah. know that person might move on and bring yeah. you into their new company. So it's very much relationship driven for me. I become pretty close with clients and we form friendships. And when they're in LA, we go and get lunch and do non-work related activities. And that's because I'm invested in them and they're also invested in not just us as a business, but us as people. Yeah. So that's the way I get through it. But every day is different. And some days you're very positive and motivated and feel very like thankful and grateful for everything. And other days when you have less energy and you're not feeling as, you know, pepped up to be positive, you look back and realize how far you've come. And, you know, sometimes you just take one step forward at a time and the next day feels different or a project comes in or yep. a client calls you and suddenly your whole week is turned around. So I was telling one of my designers yesterday, like, I don't get as affected by the high highs and I also don't get as affected by the low lows. If there's a reason why something didn't go to plan, I'm very rational, like maybe it was this, maybe it was a business constraint, maybe it was us, maybe it wasn't, how can we improve? But ultimately it's business and people make decisions and it's not always personal and you just kind of move on and hold your head high. So I try and take that advice of my own most days. <laughs> yes, I think that's good advice for, for agencies and also super good advice for founders. It's what I talk about with them all the time. I mean, the highs and the lows are extreme. And if you let yourself go to either of those places, it's hard, right? Emotionally, you're on a roller coaster and you're getting thrown around and tossed around unless you could find a way to sort of keep it all in perspective, which I think is super healthy. And it's a personality thing. Like yes. you can't tell someone how you react to things because it's your way of doing it. Yes. But I think when people say, how do you do it? How do you run a business and have a family? And you just say, I just do it. Like I wake up in the morning and I get out of bed and I show up and I go to the thing and I go to the networking event in the evening. You just keep doing it and keep showing up in both places and it doesn't feel as hard as people make it sound, yeah. but sometimes your personality is, it doesn't feel as risky to me as it might feel to someone else, but yeah. it also doesn't feel as like, I'm not going out and changing my entire lifestyle if we have a good month and I'm not yeah. changing my entire lifestyle if we have a not so good month. Yeah. I'm like in the middle, just living. So it's like, does depend on what how your personality is and how yeah. you're driven as a person, I think. How do you guys differentiate yourselves? I mean, you know, I'm listening to you talk and I'm listening to myself talk in my head and we all kind of say a lot of the same things. How do you differentiate yourself to clients? Yeah, I think that's always 
a difficult thing to do when there's so many people, so many available agencies and partners. I mean, one is definitely relationships. So we're not in it just so the brand succeeds, like we're in it to work with the team. We also want to see those projects through beyond an initial launch. So we'll support them when they have a trade show coming up or Mm -hmm. a new flavor launching next year. They come back to us for all the pieces that keep the whole brand together. If they have an urgent request for something, we have a very responsive turnaround time. We really like think of our work based on what the client needs and what their deadlines become our deadlines. So we aren't kind of like, you'll have your project in three weeks time. If someone calls me today and next Friday, they have a Whole Foods presentation, we'll shuffle around our studio so we can make Mm -hmm. sure they have their Whole Foods presentation for, for next Friday. So that agility, small team dynamic, just very talented team members who really thoroughly get this particular niche. We don't say we do everything for everyone. This is specifically what we do. And we know how a dye line folds together. We understand print processes. So we know how colors are going to turn out. And I think that some people do parts of that, but not everybody does the whole thing. Yes. And I think the words we say are exactly the same sometimes but I think the way you feel when you work with somebody who cares that comes through in so many other ways that sometimes I just wish with new business I'm like I just wish we could work on a project so you could know that what I'm saying is true yes and you can feel that partnership and you know your decision is safe with us because we're not going out and wasting time and your money on certain things we're keeping the project on track we're delivering on time we understand your needs and we understand that during a year things might change and you might need five things one week and nothing the following week and we're very you know responsive and I think there's a lot of agency like negativity and sometimes it's caused by just scale like big agencies that have a lot of people and a lot of layers I mean most of my clients have access to talk to me or call me at any point and if I feel like a decision that they're making might have a challenge I'll share it and I'll just say like just so you know in my experience I've seen this I'm happy to design that for you just know that this is another way another one of our clients would do that type of thing and this is what we're seeing from retailers so i just try and share insights and really partner with them on their brand and we just take a lot of pride in partnering together so that's unique but there are a bazillion agencies and you can't deny it but 10 years a solid team results packaging that delivers a portfolio of brands you recognize i feel like after 10 years, some of this stuff speaks for itself. In the yeah. early years, you kind of had to promise it was going to be okay based on a case study of a different, you know, category. But now we kind of have probably a project in most categories that we could show as reference if people need it. 
Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's really challenging. I feel you, what you're saying. And, and I think you're right. It's all about the relationship in the end. I mean, there are plenty of people who can do the things, but it's really, do you have the knowledge of the industry and the category and experience with the ups and downs? Because there are always so many of them. And it's a constant battle to like put yourself out there and keep saying things and showing your expertise. So being featured on podcasts, doing a speaking gig. I'm very active on LinkedIn and I try and share not just our projects, but what the challenge for the client was and how we were able to solve that. And that's free value where I'm just sharing like, here's what I would do in this situation. Here's my experience of this situation. And hopefully by giving value to people, then when they need something, we're top of mind and people awareness people even know we exist and know we can do that type of work for them so just constantly trying to put yourself out there and be willing to you know keep doing it keep yes amazing well I think that's really cool I always ask if you have advice like and when I talk to founders I ask founders to give advice to other founders but you've been working CPG for a long time Is there anything you would say to brands that are, and it doesn't have to be early stage. I mean, there are lots of brands that we talk to that are more developed as well, but still challenged. I mean, we're all challenged by budgets, no matter how big we get. So any advice you would give to CPG brands? Yeah, I think that, especially if you're coming into the industry from another industry and, and you don't know all the ins and outs, I think from what I've heard from clients, I think there's a lot more, financing needed to make it through and be successful so it's not so much about getting your product on as many shelves as possible but really going deep and making sure that once it's on shelf it's selling and finding retailers that are your demographic and your target audience because there's a much higher success rate if you're in the places where those people go. And for some people, it could be a small network of independence. Just hearing the pressure of other founders that are going national at Whole Foods or have distribution nationwide. Every time I hear that, I just think how expensive it must be to hold the inventory and ship the inventory and shelf life and deductions from you know distribution partners so I just think slow and steady and be really committed and not changing the product and the brand every five minutes so like staying the course and being really committed and just going deep instead of wide and we talk about this with design I would rather spend people's budgets on really focusing on two to three great concepts that are very launchable than asking to do five or six or 10 or those websites where you can buy a hundred designs for $10 or whatever. The quality is just spread so thin. Like if my team can spend their time crafting really thoughtful, creative solutions and give a couple of options that are right for the brand that's the best use of your budget and then making decisions as you go along the way and committing to that decision, picking a concept, developing it and going through to production is a much better use of your time than going around on concepts three, four or five times to try and make everybody on the team happy. It's very subjective. Pick one, 
go deep, don't go wide and just spend your money very carefully and resourcefully with good partners. And if someone isn't a good fit now, they might be a good fit in the future. They might know someone who's a good fit for you. So if we're not the right fit for certain clients, we're too expensive or they're not at that stage yet, or they need something different like social media or a trade show booth, we give them partners to work with. And then when things change, hopefully, you know, they're ready and they can come back. So I'm trying much more the last couple of years to be a consultant, give resources, give away knowledge for free and not kind of say, you have to sign the proposal before I'm going to tell you any of the trade secrets. It's like a new business meeting is as much to know if it's a good fit for us as it is a good fit for them. And sometimes things aren't aligned and I'd rather, you know, say that on the call and make sure we're all on the same page. So yeah, it's a tough world, but there is still lots of success to be had. And what is your measure of success? Is it your product selling and it being profitable and having a business in five years? Or is it having something big to talk about and then going out of business in three years because all the money was spent? So I think it's smart. Being very smart in all your decisions is good advice. Slow and steady. Yes. Slow and steady. I love it. And I think it's important. It's hard to remember as a founder of any business, but I think what you said about going deep is really important too, because not only is it expensive to have distribution nationally, it's expensive to move product. Like even if you get all those things right and your packaging and your warehousing and your logistics, you still have to move product. So you have to support all of those places. And I think that's where people get hurt their businesses in the end, because they try to do too much without enough resource. And it's tempting, right? We're all tempted by things. And then you're talking about discipline, even though you're not literally talking about discipline, but you are, you're saying, if it's not right, it's not right. And I have to know that. And you have to know that. And then we have to move on and come back together. So whatever. Our experience from the retailer side is every retailer is different. So if you have an opportunity to be in a club store like Costco, everything is different. The way the package presents itself, the way it's displayed in the club store, the time people have to make those decisions, the margins. Yes, you'll get a really big PO, but it's completely different margin structure and you have to invest in secondary display trays. So make sure you're partnering with people who understand the different channels as well, because C-Store, Natural Channel, Grocery, you know, and Club, we have brands that are in all those places and that's amazing. But the packaging is potentially different pack size, different convenience, different yep. investment. Yep. So yeah, again, go deep instead of wide. If you're going to pick one, do it really well. Execute. Retail is detail. Make sure you have all those tiny pieces figured out because if you're winging it at the beginning, the cracks will form somewhere along the way. So ask the right questions, get the right help and ask for help. If you need help because you don't know, ask for help, you know. That's a tough one too, right? Because people don't want to seem like they don't know. I know. (laughs) Take it till you make it. But if you don't ask, you might not ever know. So It's true. Anything else before we wrap up that you'd like to share? I think I'm just like very grateful for the opportunity both to be featured and also to just get to 10 years of doing this and realize sometimes in the rooms that I sit in, I do know some of the potential challenges and pitfalls. And I think 
being a female founder is incredibly hard. Leading a team of predominantly female team members is the example I'd like to lead that my daughter can be the CEO, my team can raise in the ranks, they can present work just as well to a boardroom full of male executives. And I think having that opportunity, I just feel very grateful for my journey, but know that I put a lot of work in and made a lot of decisions to make that a reality. And so if I can raise up other female entrepreneurs and business owners, then I go out of my way to do that because I think there is still some difficulty, especially in the creative industry. It's something like 0.1% of creative agencies are female founded. And here I am and I'm like, oh, I'm glad no one told me that 10 years ago because would I have done it if I knew it was that hard against me? Yep, yep. Being naive sometimes works in our favor, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And definitely doing your part to give back, helping young emerging designers, offering internships, portfolio reviews, like we do as much as we can so that new graduates are kind of prepared for the business world. So yeah, it's been super fun and I'm so glad we could do this. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.